Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor here with Dr. Dave Barker, uh, helping us think through some issues that we think you're already thinking about, and we can maybe add some value to conversations that are already starting. Uh, Dave, off uh, camera or off mic, we were chatting about the heart of a pastor. You've been a pastor uh, for a number of years in several churches, as I have, and you've you've taught uh, young pastors in ministry. And uh, there's a lot of approaches to pastoring, some are a little more corporate, some are more presidential. Uh, we want to talk right now about the heart of a pastor. What is essential to the calling of a pastor? And what's up with this term, shepherd? There's some who have written that that's not the best term to describe what we do or what we're supposed to do. And I know you've thought about it, and uh, hopefully we'll follow up this podcast uh, with... Um, uh, an article that you wrote describing this metaphor of shepherd a little more deeply. But we want to introduce the topic right now and uh, get your thoughts about the role of a pastor, uh, not so much as a scholar, although that's part of it, or a leader, he's got to lead, a teacher, a counselor. You know, there's a lot of things that pastors have to do. But would you say at the very heart is this metaphor of a shepherd? And why would you say that? Well, there's a couple, couple of reasons why I would argue for that. First of all, the word pastor means shepherd. That's what the word means in Greek. And so to, to think that we could move away from that uh, and substitute another term, such as leader, um, I think loses a lot of what needs to be thought about when we can, when we call ourselves pastors, so I would start first of all with the term itself. But the, you, you, when I was in your class uh, years ago, you taught something about dynamic equivalency, so that when you interpret scripture, you look at a term and say, "Okay, um, there's a better way of putting that term, using that term in today's context." Well, why would you argue, as you are, that no, let's stick with this antiquated term of shepherd? None of us really have experience in shepherding, but you would say, "No, it's worth." maintaining the term. Yeah. Um, I think pushing shepherd into some other metaphor goes beyond dynamic equivalence because you lose the meaning. And any kind of dynamic equivalence, you retain the essential meaning of the word. And so, um, yeah, uh, most of us have never touched a sheep. Most of us have probably never had a lot to do with shepherding or sheep. But especially in, in, our, in our world of, of ability to connect with ideas that don't necessarily uh, impact our daily life, we know what a shepherd is. We know what a sheep is. We, we understand the basic elements of, of what a shepherd does. Maybe we need to educate ourselves mm-hmm. as to why that metaphor of shepherd is so important. Why, why did uh, the Apostle Paul used that metaphor to talk about how to lead a church. Maybe we need to explore that. And as you said in that article I wrote, and maybe we can talk about that another time, um, I actually explore and talk about 10 things that sometimes we don't think about. We just think about, we so often think about shepherd as just kind of the the fuzzy, soft care, you know, uh, pastoral thing. Mm-hmm. When, in fact, there's a lot more going on 
uh, to what a shepherd actually does and is involved in. And some of it is uh, not, not, not so fuzzy, not, not so fuzzy, and not so pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Including disciplining sheep. Mm-hmm. All right. That's one. But uh, we could talk about that. But so I, th- I think the metaphor has to stay. I, I think the word itself uh, is important. And I think the concept behind the metaphor needs and, and we need to educate ourselves, train ourselves, uh, teach ourselves what that metaphor is all about in its full orbed uh, intention. So for the, for the pastor then who wants to lead a successful ministry and he's tempted to think um, administrative, uh, read all the leadership books, uh, look at himself as a rancher as opposed to a shepherd, that kind of thing. Uh, how can we encourage these guys to think rightly? about their calling and not to drift into some of these um, uh, corporate models of leadership. What, how would you describe the, the heart of a pastor, if you will? Well, um, I'm going to uh, crib off um, the president of Heritage College and Seminary, Dr. Rick Reed. And when he came to the school a number of years ago to lead us as, as president, one of the very first things he did was draw this crude drawing of a stick man. And he, um, he talked about the various aspects of what he would like to see a pastoral graduate, a graduate in pastoral studies from Heritage Seminary and what he would like to see that person look like. And I remember when I first saw it, I thought, bingo, man, you've nailed it. Like, this is stuff that we've been, I think, trying to embrace for a lot of years, but he put it together really, really well in a very basic stick man drawing. Okay, so this is now the ultimate shepherd. This is, this is yeah, why we're it, talking about yes, this. Yes, right. So what I remember seeing him do the, the stick man at one of our associate gatherings, and it did impress me. But I've got to be honest, I think I've forgotten it. So can you just review that with us? Sure. I've got it right in front of me here. Handy. In fact, he just sent it to me this morning. Okay. I asked him for it, and I got an email about five minutes before I left. So here, so he draws a stick man, and first of all, he, you've got the feet, all right? And he talks about two feet, and they're the base, and they're the stabil- stabilizing point. And he talks about one foot indicating spiritual vitality, 1 Timothy 2, and the other is personal godly character, 1 Timothy 3. So that, that's a great place to start. So you've got the stability of spiritual vitality and godly character. You start there. When you say spiritual vitality... You just mean that you're alive spiritually? Alive spiritually. You're aware. You're, you're in, involved and engaged with the life of the Spirit. Um, uh, there's a dynamic in your relationship to God. It's not dead. It's alive. It's creative. It's exciting through prayer, through Scripture, through various other uh, spiritual disciplines. Okay. There's a dynamic there, right? And then godly character, First Timothy 3, of course, we know the, the list there in, of, of the character that okay. Pastor Joe described us. Then he has two hands. One hand holds a Bible, which, of course, is articulating and identifying the fact that this is our authority for, for truth and teaching. The other hand is a compass, and I thought that compass idea was really good. That speaks of leadership, setting direction, going in the right mm-hmm. direction, having your North Star in place so that you know what is truth, you know where to go. There's a bit of a vision issue going on there as well. So the idea of compass leading towards the North Star, as it were. Now, how, how, would, how does that relate to being 
um, a, a hand. Your right hand is this, but on the other side, you've got this compass. Is there a correlation between the Word of God and yeah. the direction of my flock? Uh, sure, and at times we bring our hands together, right? Mm-hmm. And so you've got the Bible. He had it, you know, he has a stick man with a hand sticking out each side. But we all know, if we're going to push the metaphor, that uh, we bring our hands together at times. And so right side by side, you've got your Bible and you've got your leadership. You've got your compass, like almost interacting with each other. Um, now, I don't know whether Rick would say it that way, but that's the way I would see it. And I think it's, I think it's bang on. It's really helpful So a to guy me. who is into the word... It's not enough simply to be into the word. You've got to have insight and skill and giftedness to say, here's what it means for us in terms of our direction. This is how the church will go forward based on at least my understanding of the priority of Scripture. Is that, sure. That's what a pastor has to do, right? Right. But there's also, in terms of the compass, there's a moral and ethical uh, issue there as well, right? You're pointing in the correct direction when it comes to morality, when it comes to ethical behavior. You're not only setting direction in terms of vision and where the church ought to be, mm-hmm. but you're also setting a model of what is a moral life? What is a, what is a godly life? And that, that may go back to spiritual vitality and personal godliness, but at the same time, as a pastor, you are, you are out there leading and so, mm-hmm. you know, the whole issues of morality, the whole issues of... Wise ethics, living. Wise living, ethics, appropriate behavior ethically, mm-hmm. that's all part of the moral compass, all part of the compass that we get from Scripture. He then talks about, um, he, he has glasses on the eyes, and he talks about how that is a vision, and he, he uses that, that as the vision. Okay. So, and, and the vision, he talks about... Um, he talks about um, uh, a near, he, I think he uses the word bifocals, and he says you have to have a near vision and a far vision. Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to see way down the line as best as we can in this day and time, but also we need to stay rooted in where we are and try to bring those two visions together. So that's, that was an interesting thing. Now, I would add, um, you could throw the mouth in there, right? To, he has no mouth? <laughs> well, there is a mouth, but he doesn't talk about that. And, uh, but there is a mouth. There's a mouth to proclaim the truth, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we could talk about ears, that we need to hear uh, where our people are, where our world is at, and to be able to respond to that appropriately. Then the last thing he talked about was the heart. And right at the center of the stick man was the heart. And he drew a picture of a heart, and then he, he wrote beside it, shepherd. Mm. All right? And uh, that's where I think that we could do another podcast on, okay, let's explore that metaphor of, of the full nature of what a shepherd does. And uh, in, the, in the little article I wrote, the little chapter I wrote, I articulated 10 different things which includes, sure, some of the fuzzy stuff of caring and compassion, but it also means disciplining the flock. It also means suffering for the flock. It sometimes means sacrificing for the flock, um, defending the flock. There's a number of things that you can, we can flow into there that are, that are very much part of the metaphor of shepherd that we need to learn about so we, that we truly can keep the biblical term alive. So do you think a pastor can effectively do his work um, without loving his people? Good grief. No way. Sorry, that's, that's a strong I, I, response that's, to that question. I, don't wanna, but... I mean, we love everybody. God loves everybody. But you often hear people say, I, I just, I'm good at leadership, but I'm not fuzzy. I'm not, 
I'm not down there with my sheep. I'm not that kind of person. Um, the larger the church, the bigger an issue, you know, that is. I, w- I, there are people in this church that I love from a distance, not up close like I would if it was a smaller church. And I sometimes deal with that tension. But I know a pastor is called to love in as much as we've been loved by our shepherd. It's tough. Oh, yeah. It's, I've, we've often heard, you know, I love the pastoral ministry. It's, it's the people that are the problem. <laughs> but let's face it, we're, part, we're people ourselves. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're not very lo- lovable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet the primary call of Jesus, whether we're a pastor or just simply a, a follower of Christ at all, is the model of, of mm-hmm. Jesus and the basin and the towel and his lengthy teachings on loving one another. So you can't say, that's not my gift. I'm a different kind of a pastor. So you would argue that, no, if you're going to be a pastor, you've got to manifest a love for God's people. You may do it differently, but it's, it's not an option. You're to love them. Absolutely, yeah. Now, we also probably need to spend a little time talking about what love means. And, and let's talk about the word agape. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Um, and we know that that term is not highly emotional. Mm-hmm. It's more of a commitment to the well-being of others. And so that needs to be part of the conversation if we're going to talk about what it is yeah. to love as a pastor. I remember Arnold Dallimore t- talked to me about T.T. Shields. And T.T. Uh, Shields was not known for his loving temperament and Shields was concerned about that, and he needed to be, I think. Uh, And so there's a portrait of him that he kind of oversaw. And if you've seen the portrait, it's it's a popular portrait where it's, it's, Dalimore says it's it's Shields trying to look loving. (laughs) It's a, I mean, he does his best, but that was his way of kind of wrestling with this. Here's this great uh, preacher, somewhat um, polemical, uh, but he, he knew that he needed to work on being not so much fuzzy, but loving and relational. And so, Dave, we'll have to visit this again uh, at another podcast. I think it's something that all of us uh, would do well just to ponder a little bit more. In the midst of our work, we're leading dynamic ministries, we're dealing with problems, but not to forget that we're called, more than anything, to love these people in a unique way. So that's for another podcast. Uh, We're out of time right now. Thanks all for listening to us again on Thinking About It. Until next week, I'm Bob McGregor. I'm Dave Barker. We'll see you next week. Keep thinking about it.